One of the best things of living in Rochester is that we get all sorts of fantastic weather. We get all sorts of seasons like we just sang about. But sometimes the weather here in Rochester can switch pretty quickly. Uh, we can go from, you know, 50 degree weather to all of a sudden 80 degree weather in a matter of less than 24 hours. And in those kinds of moments, more often than not, I actually get weather-related migraines. It's odd. It's not always the same type of experience, but oftentimes if the pressure in the atmosphere is changing rapidly over our region, then my body actually physically reacts to that. I don't know about you, if you have those same types of things. I've heard of some people who can feel weather coming in their knee or, or they have some kind of, you know, a headache or don't feel well when the weather is switching uh, that rapidly. But <clears throat> if you have what I have, then what happens is I end up getting a, a pain right around uh, sort of the orbital sockets and in the nasal passages up here around my eyes. And they can, it can travel back and forth. It's not always a sensitivity to light in the sense of a traditional migraine. But what it feels like is the inability to think. It feels like my head is in a traffic jam and it's all caused by this, this weather-related migraine. So I try to have a thought and it wants to get to a destination where I can begin to implement it and apply it. And it's just like the thought can't form. It's stuck in the traffic that's caused uh, by the, the weather-related um, migraine. So what do you do when you experience that kind of discomfort? If, if you're like me, you might you know, start with some, some ibuprofen. Uh, you might start with something like this and, and grab a couple just to get your day started. But if it's a particularly bad migraine, you might get something that has migraine relief. We'll zoom in a little bit so you can see it better. Uh, you might do something with migraine relief uh, that has a little bit of caffeine in it just to take the edge off so your brain can start functioning and you can start uh, to work. When I get weather-related migraines, I'm quick to get some medication because I want some relief from my suffering. And it's not much suffering, but I don't like discomfort. So I want to alleviate that discomfort as quickly as I can. And isn't that our first response to suffering? Isn't that what we normally do when we feel physical discomfort? Hmm, this doesn't feel right. I should try to stop it. I should try to make this feeling of discomfort go away. That's what we do. It's a natural inclination in life to make the pain stop, to make the suffering stop. And the same that's true for us physically is also true for us spiritually. What do we reach for when we suffer for our faith? What do we reach for when we experience discomfort because of following Jesus. I was talking uh, with Krista yesterday and kind of talking through the, the text that we're going to look at in a few moments. And I was talking about just this idea of what do we reach for? And she said, it's not often that we suffer in the, the same way that the people that First Peter wrote to suffered. We just don't have that because we have, we do, we have so many uh, Judeo-Christian values that undergird uh, our understanding of our culture and our society, and especially in the Western world, not just the United States, but in the West in general, 
Uh, this is very different than what the Greco-Roman world would have been like when Peter was writing to his original audience. So the suffering is not as extreme. But people today in our country, even in the West, even in the United States, still suffer for their faith. Krista shared a story yesterday uh, when we were talking about the message about how someone was repeatedly asked by their boss to work in off hours, you know, a time that they had already said, uh, we're committing to our church. We're committing to, you know, evening meetings. We're committing to life groups, small groups. We call them growth groups. I hope that you've had a chance to, to sign up. Consider that a small plug for our growth groups. Uh, there's still some room for you. But this boss kept coming to him and saying, I need you to work these after hours. And the guy kept saying, I can't. I've got this other commitment at my church. I've got this other commitment with my church. And finally, the boss came to him and said, look, it's either your job or your church. It's rare, but it happens. Perhaps you've faced the discomfort, the suffering from trying to follow Jesus with your family, or you've tried to share God's love and share God's truth. Maybe you've invited them to church or you've had to set up some, some rules in your home as, as dad and, and said, no, this is, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do. And your kids listen to you at first, but then as they grow older, they say, that's not for me. And if we continue to live out Jesus uh, for them and continue to follow Jesus in front of them, sometimes it costs us family. They cut us off. They cut us out. Someone once told me uh, from my extended family that uh, I was wasting my time in becoming a pastor. Person that uh, I knew well, and they knew me well. We could have been much closer, but I said, you know, this whole thing about wanting to be a pastor as a job, it's not worth it. I was wasting my time. <laughs> one time, my, I was saying this to our growth group on Thursday night. Uh, one time, my budgeting software told me that I was wasting my money <laughs> because uh, I had been uh, working uh, a budgeting software to uh, spend money where I wanted it to go. And uh, I did, that uh, 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 had an option for putting together an, an auto budget. So it would create a budget for you after it's tracked where all of your money's going. And the first recommendation it said, if you really want to make more money, then you should really stop giving so much to charity. You should give to yourself first. And I looked through the, the charity uh, group of all the things that I would say, this is what's giving to charity is, and it was all to my church. My, give, my, my accounting software, my budgeting software said I was wasting my money by giving it to God at his local church. When we suffer physically, we immediately reach for medication. We try to make it stop. But Peter says something strange about what we should do when we suffer for when we follow Jesus. He says actually something 
that's the exact opposite. Let me show you what I mean. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, we read this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. His glory is Peter says that some people that he's writing to in the original audience, which is facing far more suffering than we do, where they're not only losing job, they're losing social interaction, they're losing all the ability to, uh, you know, promote themselves, have influence in their city. They're losing business contacts. They're being ostracized from all the social festivities. They are, they are literally being cut off from society and rejected because they do not do what the Greco-Romans do. So Peter is writing to a group of believers who are surprised that they are uh, suffering as a Christian. And later he's going to actually be surprised, you know, reference them that they're ashamed that they're being, you know, suff- that they're having to suffer for following Jesus. And you know what? This is an entirely unexpected answer. We expect an entirely different thing. I expect an entirely different thing. I pray to God constantly that when I'm suffering for doing what he's asked me to do, that this gets removed from me, that this thorn in the flesh goes away, that, uh, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Like Jesus would pray. We want God to take away our suffering. But Peter says, and God says something radically different about our understanding of suffering. And that is to rejoice. Why? Why should we rejoice when we suffer for following Jesus? Well, there's a couple of reasons. And the first, he says, is this. We should rejoice because it's proof that we are following Jesus and not something else. When we suffer for Jesus, we can rejoice because it's proof that we're following Jesus. Let me show you what he says. Take a look at verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. We should rejoice when we suffer for following Jesus because it is proof to us that we are indeed following Jesus and not living for something else. You know, Jesus would tell a story in the Gospels about sheep and goats, that at the end of time, there would be two kinds of believers, that there would be those who Jesus called sheep and those who Jesus called goats. 
and the sheep would be welcomed and the goats would not. And the goats would say, those classified as goats would say, but wait, we've done all of these things for you. We've prophesied, we've performed miracles. Look at how we've served you. And Jesus says, I didn't know you. And what Peter is saying here is that what we want most in life are the things that we will suffer to get. What we want most in life are the things that we want to suffer, uh, things that we will endure suffering for to get. You always pay a price for what you want the most. It costs you time. It costs you money. It costs you sometimes uh, relational hurts. It sometimes costs you glory. But when you suffer as a Christian, Peter says the Spirit of God rests on you. That's a, a messianic passage that we find in the Old Testament book of Isaiah where the Spirit of God is described as a spirit of, of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, might, and the spirit of knowledge and godliness. And it's a messianic passage because that's what happened to Jesus. Jesus was willing to suffer to accomplish the will of God because that's what he wanted most. And so we can use that as proof to see, are we indeed actually following Jesus? There was a, a challenge that came up in InterVarsity Fellowship. That is a uh, on-campus group that meets in colleges and universities all around the world uh, to promote faith in Jesus Christ among college students and university students. And a number of years ago, in 2014, the state of California ruled that InterVarsity could not be on campus because their leadership was not inclusive. This had been coming for a long time. In 2011, they passed this bill, and the, uh, the board of all the colleges and universities in California kept working with uh, them to try and say, listen, you have to have anybody who wants to be a leader be included in leadership in your group, or otherwise you cannot be a club. But InterVarsity kept responding and saying, but we're a club that's meant to promote Jesus. And so how can we have someone who doesn't know Jesus for themselves promoting Jesus? You can't have them leading our organization. The, the governing board of California, who looked after all of the groups of colleges and universities, said that, well, that's not inclusive enough. You have to allow people who don't believe what you believe to be considered in leadership. And so they were barred from being on campus in 2014. Didn't change their mission. They continued to, uh, even though they couldn't be an official club on campus, they met off campus. Uh, they were able to still promote themselves on social media and through uh, individual students, but they were not an official club. In 2015, that reversed because a lot of organizations, including non-Christian ones, said, of course you have to have those who agree with the values and agree with the mission in order to be in leadership of any group, not just the Christian group. And so that decision was reversed. But they suffered simply because they wanted to follow Jesus on campus, and they weren't allowed to. And what that did was it allowed the name and the mission of Jesus to be even more promoted as that story went all around the world. And Christians wrote letters, they prayed, 
and they asked for this governing body to reconsider that InterVarsity could be an official club on campus. It was a great test for them to see whether they are actually following Jesus in their club. And they wouldn't give in. They suffered, but it proved that they were still following Jesus. You know, sometimes what Christians do is they think that any suffering they face <clears throat> is proving they're, they're, that they're following Jesus. And this is not what, what uh, Peter is, is talking about here. He's not talking about general suffering. He's not talking about headaches from the weather. He's not talking about being told to wear masks or being told to socially distance and isolate at home. That's just simply being uncomfortable. This is talking about suffering when you're trying to make a difference for Jesus. And what Peter is asking his original readers and what God is asking us to do is to assess realistically about why this suffering is happening and to use the suffering as a metric to say, am I really living for Jesus? Is this what I want most in my life? Because sometimes the suffering that we face is not because we're living for Jesus. It's because we're living for something else and we just don't like the discomfort and we want to remove it. But it's amazing how we can look at suffering to say, this is a good mirror for me to see if I am truly following Jesus in how I'm reacting to this discomfort. But there's a second reason that goes right hand in hand with this, that it's not just proof for us to assess. We can rejoice when we suffer for following Jesus because it is a test that God can use to see if we are following Jesus and not something else. Take a look at these verses in 1 Peter chapter 4, starting at verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. That's the church. That's his people, his bride, Christians. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We should rejoice because not only is it proof for us that we are following Jesus or not, but it is a test that God uses to help us follow Jesus. You see, as I said before, in the sheep and the goats, Jesus is our ultimate judge. God is our ultimate judge now, and he judges Christians during their lifetime so that they can be ready for the end of life. He's going to judge everyone at the end of life. And he judges Christians now to help them be ready for that time when we stand before God and give an account for how we have lived. Imagine 
think way, way back to your school year. And I, I apologize to students who are watching and listening who are thinking, I just finished my school year. Why are you bringing this up? It's summer. I want to celebrate. I want to relax. I apologize for doing that. But imagine life is like a school course or a school semester. Imagine just showing up on the final day and expecting to pass the course. You've had no instruction. You've never come to class. You've never done any of the homework. You've never done any of the tests. You just show up and you think, I'm going to pass. It's going to be hard, isn't it? And the same is true with life. God knows that it's hard for us because we are sinners, because we need saving, because we need to continually be saved and transformed and sanctified to be more like Christ. That he says, I'm going to provide some midterms for you. I'm going to provide some tests. I'm going to provide some homework so that I can make sure you're ready. They're tests that God gives us so that we can be ready and answer that, yes, we did follow Jesus. It's like life is a, a wind tunnel for the design of planes or cars. Uh, they'll take new cars that are being designed or planes and they'll check on lift and drag and where do we see fuel efficiency start to be compromised uh, as we crank up the windstorms. And God provides those things for us so that we can, oh, wait, there's something wrong. I feel a rattle. I feel something in my spiritual life that needs to be adjusted. Lord, how do I adjust this? That's what suffering for Jesus does. And that's why we can rejoice. You know, there are some who have an incorrect view, a heretical view of how God works in our lives. There are some who hold to the view that God is just actively looking over the edge of heaven with a lightning bolt in his hand. And as soon as we step out of, out of, uh, line of what he's doing, zap, he gets us. He's just looking for opportunities to crush us like bugs. And that's not God. That's not the God of the Bible. But there are others who believe in one of the most heretical theologies, heresies, I guess, evil heresies that has ever been conjured up by the mind of people. And that is a prosperity gospel that says God's whole purpose in life is to bless me. And it's not either or. It's actually a combination of both. It's both and. God is now not out to just bless us. He wants to bless us, but he also tests us. He also looks over the edge of heaven and say, I wonder if they know how they're doing, how can I give them a midterm in life so that they are ready? That's why we can rejoice. That's why we can rejoice when we suffer simply because we're following Jesus. Because it is proof to us when we're following Jesus that we're following Jesus. And it is a test, a midterm that God gives us so that he helps us to be ready for the final exam when we stand before him and give an account. In other words, 
suffering for Jesus is a badge of honor. Suffering for Jesus is a badge of honor. Here's some questions for you for you to discuss uh, in your, with your family, with those that you're watching with, and in your growth group this week. Number one, share a time when you face challenges slash suffering for following Jesus. Number two, how do you typically feel about suffering for Jesus? Question three, what is one thing you can do to rejoice when you face suffering because of your faith? When I was doing research for my dissertation, I met a woman who was involved in fundraising at a childhood cancer research hospital. I asked her, why would she do this? Why would she dedicate her life to raising funds for a uh, cancer research hospital? She had been involved in a a secular for-profit job, was very good at her job, but she made this switch to get into fundraising. So I asked her why. And she said she had lost her child to cancer and never wants someone to go through that ever again. And now she raises hundreds of thousands of dollars annually. She changed jobs to do this. And she gets a chance to meet with families who are in the middle of this devastating suffering and walk with them and be an encouragement to them. That's her badge of honor. Christian, what's your badge of honor? Let's pray. Jesus, we don't like it when we suffer in any way, including when we suffer because of our faith. Lord, we know that we don't suffer in, like in some places around the world. We certainly don't suffer in ways that the readers of First Peter would have understood suffering. But we do suffer. Following you has a price. And when we suffer, Father, would you give us the correct understanding that this is something we can rejoice in because we can use this suffering to prove, to know for certain that we are following you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And if we are not, then Lord, would you help us to make the adjustments that we need to make? Lord, for those who are looking at their lives right now and thinking, I need to surrender my life to you, then I pray that you would give them the courage to do that. I pray that you would give them the courage to confess that they are a sinner and that they believe that Jesus died for them and rose from the dead and that they can begin to follow you regardless of the life that they have lived up to this point, that they can know new life in you. And Lord, would you also help us to recognize that you are using suffering, in some cases, as a test so that you can make us ready for that final test when we stand before you. 
And would you help us to rejoice in that and be thankful for that, that you're giving us these, these midterms, these exams, these homework assignments, so that we can be ready for the final exam. Lord, would you help us as followers of Jesus to have Jesus be the center of our lives, that he would be our badge of honor, no matter what suffering comes our way because of following you. We give all for you and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.